welcome to this Choice Wisdom full interview with Jeffrey Eaton, murder mystery writer and author of the Murder Becomes series. I'm your host, Gail Goodman Lynch. Jeffrey combined his lifelong love of mysteries, Hardy Boys, Sherlock Holmes, and Agatha Christie, with his passion for travel and architecture to create a new world where Dalton Lee, who is a world-renowned architect, solves murders in locations around the globe alongside his staff, who are an interesting mix of characters. The locations of these murders all begin with the letter M, Manhattan, Miami, Mayfair, and, most recently, Macau. By day, Jeffrey is Jeff Harrington, a successful communications consultant and writing coach. In this interview, he shares his journey into the world of fiction, as well as his thoughts on why one would choose to write under a nom de plume, and how anyone can put a foot upon the path of writing novels. Jeffrey, thank you so much for being on the Choice Wisdom Podcast with us today. Thanks for having me, Gail. I look forward to talking with you. Yes, I, I am really excited to talk to you because I have been following your book journey for a few years now, um, starting with your first book, which was Murder Becomes Manhattan. And I remember when you launched that book, and we were all very excited about seeing this initial product, which has now turned into a four book series. But uh, before we kind of dive into all that, I thought, you know, you and I've known each other for, I'm not even going to say how many years, because it'll really date us, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we know each other through the communications profession initially. So I'd love for you to just give the folks a little bit of a background on, you know, what it is you do in your day job, and then we can kind of get into the book. Sure. Uh, happy to do that. Uh, and welcome, everybody, to the podcast. Uh, I've been in corporate communication, some form of it, uh, organizational communication, uh, corporate communication, uh, most of my adult career. And um, and in two or three different ways. Number one, I started off as a freelance writer, uh, writing for corporate clients. They, uh, I had a horrible gig. They would send me all over the world to write articles about their operations in places like France and Hong Kong and Australia and, and, and other countries around the world. Uh, and then uh, also uh, that then eventually evolved into my creating a, a writing workshop series for corporate PR people. And I would both uh, stage workshops in different cities and people from different companies would come and attend to learn how to write well or better. Uh, and then also they would bring me in if they had a team of writers, they would bring me in to uh, to train 8, 10, 25, 40 people on, on writing uh, skills. And so uh, I continue to do that to this day. I've also, my third leg of the business over time, I'm not doing as much of it now, but I do a little bit of it, is consulting in the area of writing. So those three, those are kind of the three legs of my my day-to-day -day stool, if you will, for uh, my, my daytime job as a corporate communicator. I love that. And I love that you have extended your talent into mystery writing. So, I mean, in terms of writing, right? You're already a great writer, clearly, because of what you do. But what made you decide to write mystery novels specifically? Well, you know, it was it was it's interesting in a couple of ways. Number one, I absolutely grew up loving mysteries. And for why that is and what gravitates a whole bunch of people out there to the mystery genre is to be honest, beyond me. But I was huge on the Hardy Boys when I was kind of in the seven, eight, nine age frame. And then from there I graduated to Sherlock Holmes and then eventually Agatha Christie. 
and and really read a whole bunch of those in my teen years. So uh, so there's that. But then but then at some point uh, about seven or eight years ago, I decided you know I want to I want to I want to dive into this myself. I I've been wanting to write books since I can forever, and uh, I went to a bookstore. Was just kind of thought I'd do a little research and. Uh, I discovered uh, the series, and oh, I should have looked up her name now. Suddenly I'm blanking on it, but we all know who she is, the mystery writer who had the series, which was like V is for Vendetta and, uh, you know, K is for Knife and or D is for Dagger. It was a whole series. And and I just stood there and I went, oh, what a great gig. You know, you you basically, you have this series and each book, the next book is in a way set up for you and you create this sort of brand for yourself. And that really got me thinking and going. Uh, and so all, all that was then left for me to do was to decide um, how what's how's my series going to stand out and be different from those others that are out there. So I chose to go the route of locations. Now, there are other people who do books, mystery books based on locations. But by making my detective an architect and focusing on the architecture in those cities, uh, that kind of gave me the, the the spine, if you will, no pun intended, the spine of what I wanted the book series to be about. And then it just came about moving it from place to place to place and choosing another city with great architecture that could be the site for the next book. And all the cities share the letter M. And is that going to be intentional going forward, or you think you'll switch, you know, letters as no, it, it will. Well, it will be intentional. However, there are some switches coming up. Uh, the okay. next book on the on the to do list, actually, the name of the book it's not, and and this will be a, a fun little puzzle for for your listeners. It's not the name of a city. It's the name of an event that takes place in that city that we're all familiar with. Oh, so cool. it, and then and then there's also I've, I've toyed around with doing Murder Becomes Embassy Row in Washington, D.C., or Murder Becomes the Emirates in the Middle uh, East. Ah, okay. So there's so a lot of ways I can kind of play home. with the whole idea and and probably will. I love that. Oh, my gosh, how fun. So we'll never know until the book comes out what, right. what you've chosen for that particular one. So right. you have to tell me, Dalton Lee, who is your central character throughout mm-hmm. all of your books, is super quirky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, he's a world-renowned <laughs> architect, but he's also like the lover of grilled cheese. And, and you know, in the uh-huh. most recent book, he wears crazy hats. And, you know, he's just got all these kind of <laughs> oddball quirks. So how did that come about? You know, how did you envision all of that for him? There's, you know, there's a whole lot of books, there's a whole lot of series out there that have, as the protagonist, the for lack of a better term, the hard-boiled detective. Um, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, the kind of character that someone like Mickey Spillane, you know, would, would have written. And 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 so I found that kind of too too predictable, too stereotypical. And that's not me. And and I'm not saying that Dalton is me, although I do love a good grilled cheese sandwich. Um, <laughs> I wanted I wanted, the, <laughs> I wanted the guy to be uh interesting uh and 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 cerebral but also something somewhat more human, more human and multifaceted than a lot of the protagonists are in, in mystery books. So that's why I decided to have, and I just sort of, you know, as a writer, I just let my imagination flow there. And suddenly he was talking to inanimate objects, having conversations with inanimate objects. 
you know, mannequins in store windows. Uh, in the latest book in Macau, he's, you know, has a conversation with fire hydrant that starts talking to him. And all of this ends up leading to something. The newest book finally lets readers know what's going on here and that he's not entirely mad, although he's probably a little bit mad, but we're all a little bit mad. And that's the point. So right. I just, yeah. And that maybe that's the point is that we're all, uh, and I wanted to embrace that rather than than run away from it and and have uh, rather than have a hero who I think Dalton still is a hero uh, when all is said and done. Uh, but a hero that uh, has flaws uh, as well as makes us laugh a lot, I think. And uh, he's socially awkward, um, but he's a wonderful heart. And so that's I just wanted that to be the ballast for the series. And I love it because he is not your typical central figure protagonist in a, in a murder mystery. He really is quite different. So I, I like that about him personally. Um, so just in terms of excitement, I mean, obviously you're excited about kind of getting into all this novel writing and creating these characters. What do you think excited you most about writing that first novel? I think, uh, and I couldn't have predicted this, and that is that, um, although I guess I should have, I've been writing since I was three, no joke. I mean, I was writing stories at my little desk in our house when I was three and four years old. I can see and, you doing uh, that. I've seen pictures on Facebook of you when you were a little kid. Now I'm picturing Yeah, <laughs> right. And uh, and so, uh, I, I, you know, a lot, I think there's been a lot of energy put out there in trying to understand the writer's mind and and, but for me, it's just there's just stories. But but it, but 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 the important part is is just it's really like opening a door and just allowing it to happen. And I'm trying to get it down on paper. I'm not trying to force the story. I may have a few ideas as to the direction I want the story to go, or what I would like a chapter to, how I want the chat a chapter to move the story along. But I myself have been surprised. For example, there's a chapter, I won't—I uh, don't want to give a spoiler, but there's a chapter in Murder Becomes Manhattan, which is the first book. Um, I'm sorry, I take that back. I'm wrong. It's the second book, Murder Becomes Miami, in which uh, he uh, uh, hails a cab to go check out the home in which the murder victim lived. And because he wants to do some, uh, you know, visual inspection of this building, because he's got some thoughts about about it. And so he ends up with this cab driver named Shirley, who is just one of the most wonderful characters that has ever sprung from my imagination. And she gabs on and on, gives him all of her personal history, like so many cab drivers are, are want to do, as he, she's taking him there. Well, and as it came time for that chapter to come to a close, it ended up veering in a very different direction from what I intended for it to when I began the chapter. So that's the part of writing for me. It's, it's again, it's no different than real life. You know, we get in our car and we expect to go to the grocery store and somehow we end up in a bar on the wrong side of town <laughs> drinking too many vodka stingers. And... <laughs> <laughs> and that's where right. the story is, right? And so, and so for that to happen as part of the writing process, I just I find delightful and and amazing. I love that too because I have to say I'm a self described control freak who's really made a serious effort to like sort of let white space in and just let stuff happen rather than make it happen. And mm -hmm. I'm always delighted at sort of what shows up when I allow for that. And well, you know. 
Gail, seriously, sorry to interrupt, but I, I think I think that may be a, 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 a part of it. I also would say I'm a control freak. I live by to-do lists. So I wonder if if when it comes to writing, this is our, uh, our escape mechanism that, yeah. that where we allow in our life because we can. There's not a whole lot of damage that can come from it necessarily. Or um, and so maybe it's part of a an odd psychological balance we writers. Uh, it'd be interesting to know how many writers consider themselves kind of in the more control free, you know. Yeah, kind of. that's an interesting idea. You know, it's interesting. My husband's a writer, and I don't know that I would describe him as a control free. Maybe uh, because I'm so much of a control freak that he seems, you know, easy by comparison. <laughs> I don't know. Right, right. But yeah, I think that's kind of a fascinating idea, you know. And I mean, I love because choice wisdom is about inspiration, right? It's like where do you find your inspiration to do something that fills you up as opposed to trying to follow a bunch of rules or sit in a box, which I, for me, the box sitting is good because that makes me feel safe, secure, and like I'm, I'm in control and there's some merit to that, but it is freeing and fun to just sort of explore. Yeah. And, and the, uh, absolutely. I agree hundred percent. Yeah. So in terms of your, so speaking of interesting stories, you have an interesting pen name and an interesting story behind that. Can you share a little bit of that background with us? Sure. At some point, I decided, uh, what do I want to do in the way of a name? And do I really want to use my own name? Because there's there's challenges with that. And a nom de plume is a very common and, and, and perfectly respected uh, thing in the writing universe. So uh, the number one factor was uh, I, mystery genre doesn't have the, you know, doesn't uh, uh, attract the greatest respect out there necessarily. And I thought, well, if I want to go on and do other things, if I want to do more, quote, serious fiction, um, that would give me the opportunity to do so under my own name, which I'd be more inclined to do. So I'll, I, so decision number one was nom de plume or no nom de plume. And I decided to go with nom de plume. So when that was the case, now my next decision is what will it be? Right. And, uh, there were two considerations here, and that was that uh, the name Harrington, so many characters, it's kind of hard to get that on the cover or a spine of a book. It That's takes actually a, a good point. Break, right. So uh, so I decided it'd be nice to have something shorter, uh, and I ended up going with Jeffrey Eaton, E-A-T-O-N. First of all, I thought it sounded very much in the realm of, you know, British mystery writer kind of names. But more importantly is my father was a dancer. Uh, back in vaudeville and uh, early motion pictures before he married my mother. And uh, his stage name was Jerry Eaton So uh, when he danced. And so I decided to pay a little bit of an homage to him since he was in a way a creative. Uh, I decided to to pick up that name and use it. It's, it's only five letters where Harrington, I think, is 10. And so it fits better on a book cover. It, it gives me a cover. Uh, so if I want to write other stuff, I can under my own name. And it pays tribute to my father. It's such a great story. I love that. Um, so tell us how being a mystery writer now, in addition to your day job, right? Yeah. Amplifies who you truly are. Oh, let's see. Um, I think, well, in one way it amplifies who I truly am is that uh, is the, uh, for lack of a better term, the international cities component of the books. Uh, the first book is in Manhattan. The second book is in Miami. The third book is in Mayfair, District of London. And now the new book is in Macau, 
uh, next to Hong Kong. And um, I've been to all of those cities on with my business. And, um, and, and I, I found myself, uh, I mean, I wanted to do international communication from the get go. And in fact, a full time job I took here in Dallas back in 1980, the lure was that they wanted to create a magazine that would go to all of their employees worldwide. And that was the big lure for me, because that's really where I, I had a, a strong inclination. Uh, that never came to be. And the industry they were in went kaput. It was oil back in the early 80s. So I found myself self-employed or uh, without a job for a while anyway. And by complete coincidence, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who was a professor at Berkeley who was getting ready to go on a three-month trip around the world. And I said, you know, I'd love to you know, carry your bags, you know, just sort of jokingly. And he said, well, he goes, you know, I'd love for you to come along on at least part of the trip, if not all of it. And it got me thinking that when I was an editor, I would have photographers contact me and say, hey, I'm going to Australia or, hey, I'm going to South Africa. Could you use some photographs? To which my reply was, well, I don't really need photographs as much as I need stories. And that's where the genesis for my business that lasted for that I did exclusively for about 12 years was, which was to go and market myself as a writer photographer. I could also do photography, simple photography. And uh, I'll go into Hong Kong, I'll go into London, I'll go into whatever, and I will write, interview your people there and write an article about what you're doing. Uh, and you can then publish it in the company magazine. And like I say, that, that business lasted for 12 years. Well, I fell in love with being that international traveler. And it changed me as a human being dramatically, as it does any human being, if you do it more than just, hey, we're going to go to Cancun and hang out at the beach. If you're really living and working in different places and, and having to be respectful and mindful of the local culture that you're in and learn about it, um, it changes you, you know, huge. So um, in that way, re, I feel in a way I'm passing along that joy of, of learning about and finding and exploring international cities to my readers through the books. So I think that's probably the the primary way is an amplification of, of who I am. And um, I think probably between that and then and then and then my love for writing and my love for words and my love for for connecting them in ways that maybe someone else hasn't connected them before and, and having uh, uh, people respond to that in a in a positive way uh, is the other angle that for me is a joy. I love that response. Wow. I have known that you had a bit of wanderlust, but I didn't realize that you had had such a yen for world travel, especially early in your business career. So how mm -hmm. marvelous. Yeah. I uh, The first year I was, well, the first, uh, in the first four or five years, I did one trip to uh, Europe every year and one trip to the Far East. And eventually uh, those trips were at a minimum a month long and sometimes two to three months long. I had one trip to the Far East where I had 21 assignments. Wow. And I went to like eight or nine different countries in that and I was gone for two and a half months and it almost killed me, but uh, it was it was remarkable. That's so interesting. And now you do the murder mysteries. They're all set in these wonderful places. And I do recall when you were talking about uh, you were writing the current book during COVID, it didn't get to get back to Hong Kong. Right. 
for the book itself. Like you've been, but you you weren't able to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was uh, it was COVID. It was you know riots. It was lockdown. It was a lot of crazy. I mean, stuff. The universe was saying you are not going over there, no matter how much you want to. <laughs> so just I'm do it stay over Jeffrey. There, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, how great! Well, do you? How do you think? That this choice, you know, what is your life like now that you've made the choice to become a Nautilus? Well, it's, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's the rub. Um, it, it's obviously every, every writer, every novelist would love for the business, for the writing to become a full-time business and, and pay for one's life. And, and it almost never does. And, and that's the case here. Uh, fortunately, I mean, I'm in the lucky crowd. I've, we've made a small profit off the books. Uh, but it also involves an enormous amount of work. I'm self we're self-published. Uh, I tried to go the publisher route, the agent route, all of that. I got a lot of positive feedback, but no one ever would go all the way. So mm-hmm. I went, I don't have the time for this. You know, I think we spent, I spent like nine months to a year just trying to get somebody to, to kind of say, okay, we're going to take this on. And uh, I said, never mind. Uh, and so we, we decided to dive into it ourselves. It's uh, being self-published is a lot more work than than people will tell you it is. Uh, they make it sound like it's easy. And and yes, you can get a book up on Amazon easily. It, it doesn't take much to do that. But actually, uh, you end up, of course, doing all the marketing, which you now have to do even if you have a publisher. You really yeah. still have to do all your marketing. So it's not like it's more than. But it's uh, so you're writing books. You're trying to market them. You're trying to do social media for them. You're trying to go to book fairs and sell your books. And uh, it becomes a full-time endeavor, even if it's not necessarily delivering a full-time income. So you still, I'm still balancing, you know, taking care of clients on the side. So to be honest, my life is, is probably a lot busier than it was say 10, 15 years ago, but more importantly, it's more, it's more crammed, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I don't have as much a downtime as I used to, because if, my, if I've taken care of the clients in my corporate communication business, now there's stuff I need to be doing for the books. And that didn't used to be the case. So that's how life is different. It's it's more crammed. Enjoyable, fun. I've had great experiences with the books and marketing them and all of that. But it's just, it's a, it's a you know, you're do, I'm doing this a lot more than I did 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, and I guess the the next question I would ask is, what would your life be like if you hadn't made the choice? I guess you'd still be, you know, a little bit more balanced, but right. Well, and you know that raises another important, very important point is that is that doing the books has served as a growth point for me. Uh, that I I ha- I won't. I'm not sitting here looking back, going, "Well, I'm doing the exact same thing I was doing 15, 20 years ago." Uh, my life is the same as it was 20 years ago. I found a path to evolve and uh, and have taken that path and and am thrilled and glad that I did. And just a very quick example, I had uh, my high school reunion was a month ago and I went out there and there was a woman out there who came up to me and I probably, I don't know that I've seen her since high school, although we're Facebook friends. And we were talking and she said, she just put her hand on my, she says, you are such a fabulous writer. Thank you. And to get that from someone, she's bought all the books, right? And she's like totally into the series. And to have someone you haven't seen in that long, and you we we knew each other in high school, but we weren't like close buddies. So this wasn't something she needed to do 
this wasn't something she needed to do out of a sense of obligation at all. Yeah. And, and, and it's moments like that, that um, or having an agent uh, uh, who I sat down and had her go over my work um, and give me feedback on it at a book fair in Nashville. And she said, you absolutely, your writing style is at the top of the heap. You could easily, she goes, we can't bring you on because you're already into your series. We only take on new things. But uh, she says, your writing is as good as anybody out there who's on the bestseller list. I'll tell you that for sure right now. And she, again, she didn't need to do that. I was there going, you know, give me an, give me honest feedback. Do, is it worth my continuing to even apply this area? And she said, oh, you better believe it. So things like that make it worthwhile. Wow. What wonderful validation, too. That's amazing. Yeah. So if someone came along to you and said, I need you to inspire me. I want to write a book. What do mm -hmm. I do? What's the first step where first two or three steps you would recommend to someone who wants to jump into that pool? Sure. Well, I think uh, on one hand, um, I'm almost, I'm, it's almost going to sound like I'm being contradictory, but I don't think I am. And that is, I think the first step is you do have to ask yourself uh, what, wh well, I'm going to back up. Sorry. First thing you have to do, I believe, is tell yourself, I'm going to write regardless of whether I'm a successful writer or not. Um, writing has got to be its own thing for you. And I, I got to tell you again, we've kind of, we've kind of, talked about this but just the writing process and being a writer and, and and then and then handing it off to people and getting some validation uh getting a lot of validation is in and of itself has got to be enough of a reward for you you might also become a successful writer you might also win the pulitzer but 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 that can't be your reason for writing it's got to be because you got to write and you want to write and you love doing it uh, so that's number one. You got to ask yourself: Am I is that is am I okay with that? Am I okay with doing all this writing and investing my time and not necessarily making a lot of money off of it? Secondly, if you if the answer to that is yes, then I would say the second question is obviously what do I want to write about? Now here, there's an interesting you know. I mean, on one hand, I could say, well, I wanted to write about architecture, but I'm not really writing architecture books. You know, you can combine food with mystery. You can combine architecture with historical fiction. So, so you, I think I think what it is that you want to write about. I wanted to write about interesting cities uh, and architecture, but then the mystery genre became because then there's lots of different ways you could do that. You could you could write about interesting sure. cities and architecture and write westerns. Believe it or not, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You see my point? Yeah. So you decide, what do I want to write about? What do I care about in my life? What's, what's the what's the subject that turns me on? And then set out to decide, okay, so what's the genre then? I will place what I love and am interested in within. And then I think the third thing you have to ask yourself <clears throat> is how can I make what I want to write about different, stand out? from all the others out there. And I think doing a little bit of research doesn't hurt like I did when I was standing there at the bookstore and I saw all those, uh, those books uh, and, and, and give you um, a feeling for, and then for me, it was a fact, I, I still to this day, I'm pretty sure there's nobody out there 
writing mystery series with an architect as the protagonist. I've not found one. So that was the standout. You know, the this is what will make. Uh, I also had to have a reason for Dalton being all over the world. You know, I had to think, you know, he, you know, he couldn't be working at the post office. So there's that. Uh, those would be the probably the first three. And then and then sit down. And then number four is just start writing. Start writing. And your first drafts won't be perfect. You'll go over them several times, but the more you write, the better you'll get. And that it's like riding a, riding a bike. I will say I read your first book, of course, when it came out and I bought an official copy. So I remember when you first published too, you were just sort of like, I can't give away copies to friends because like this whole point of this is to actually sell books. Right. <laughs> My friend, you're going to buy one, right? So we were we were joking about that because I bought one and you were like, thanks for buying one because everybody else is saying, hey, I would like a free copy. Um, so now we've got, you know, purchased books. But I do think that this one, this most recent one, I can see from the beginning to book number four, that your writing style has always been amazing, but it's just like, now it's like finely tuned around these wonderful characters that you've created and they've yeah. grown over time. It's almost like peeling the onion, if you will. You know, it's, yes, there, there's character arcs for everybody. In there's this. character arcs for everybody. The character arcs go from book to book to book, although each book is standalone. You don't have to have read the first book to enjoy the third or fourth one. Uh, but there are those character arcs. And I actually picked that up from some TV series. Um, I became a big fan of uh, two shows, Castle, uh, the detective show Castle that was on ABC. And then uh, after that, a Scandal. And both of those were series that had character arcs that traveled from episode to episode to episode. And I thought that uh, it's, boy, I tell you what, it's it's challenging. It's a lot more uh, multi-layered and 3D and uh, like 3D chess. But I wanted that challenge as a writer. I wanted to be able to do that because I just think it makes for a more sophisticated product. And um, so, yeah, there is that. And uh, and then so there are there are. And, and, and then actually you hit on another, I think, important point about my books. What makes them stand out is there is Dalton Lee, the head of the architecture firm, but he has these other people with him. It's a team and they're multicultural and they're multigenerational. And uh, and they are with him for a reason. I won't you know, I don't want to spoil spoil no spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers, but they've got a good reason to be with him investigating uh, the murders that take place in these different cities. All of them do, including Dalton. And uh, and so that was the other thing I tried to do to make my book different, which is even though everybody sort of latched onto Dalton because he is so quirky, uh, he has uh, a number two person in his firm who is a woman in her 50s, a, a Finnish uh, woman who is sort of his foil and she's the silver haired, you know, roll her eyes at everything Dalton does. Uh, and then there's um, uh, Bree, who I love writing for. She is uh, 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 from Arizona and she's got long red hair and uh, she's part of the team and lots of others. Uh, and, and so in doing that, I hope I was right. I hope I'm writing books that everybody can find somebody that they can really kind of latch onto and enjoy. If, if Dalton's not their cup of tea then there's others that they can connect with yeah i think they're all marvelous characters honestly thank you thank you i love writing most of them i do love certain ones and then there's you know each book has its own sub characters true uh, yes local the local he's always working with the local police and usually the local police person is someone i invest a lot of time in and the, the best one of all those, I think, was CJ in Mayfair, who is, uh, you know, 
right out of central casting of uh, sort of, a, you know, she works for Scotland Yard, but she's got a bowl haircut. And she, you know, as I say, she sort of walks in the room like a Romanian wrestler approaching the mat. And, <laughs> and she's not at all who you expect to be, you know, the, you know, working for Scotland Yard. But uh, so there's there, there are those as well. So there's a lot of different people and they come and go over the course of the books. But each book is very tight in terms of the set of characters. Yeah. And they are marvelous. Well, I appreciate you so much taking time to talk about the books and your journey through this and how you got inspired. And, you know, the point is, I'm hoping that this conversation will help inspire someone else, especially if they've got a book in them. Just get out there and write it. You know? Exactly. Yeah, that, that really is the most important point I would make is, is uh, let yourself enjoy the process of writing and, and learn here or there. But there are people who are lifelong studiers of how to write and then they never get a book out. And don't 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 let yourself go there. Get out there. Make it happen. And, and then the second important point would be to encourage everybody to go to murderbecomes.com and check out the series. As Jeffrey says, you can check out his entire series of books and order your own copy on his website at murderbecomes.com. His books, along with his most recent novel, Murder Becomes Macau, are also available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Apple Books, as well as Kobo for folks in Canada. If you choose to go the electronic book route, you'll also be able to access hyperlinks within the story where, if he mentions a murder weapon or there is an architectural uh, feature in the city that's called out, you can click on a link to see a photo. And of course, reviews are critically important for creators of all kinds. Please do not forget to rate and review Jeffrey's books as well. The same goes for this podcast, as a matter of fact. If you haven't done so, please make sure to subscribe to Choice Wisdom on your favorite podcast platform and rate and review the episodes that inspire you the most. Thank you so much for listening. Running wild, nothing to lose. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Choice Wisdom Podcast. This podcast was created by me, your host, Gail Goodman Lynch, and is produced and edited by the amazing team at MZ Studios in Dallas. The opinions expressed by my guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owner or producers of this podcast. The information shared on Choice Wisdom is intended to inspire you, but not presented as legal or medical advice. Choice Wisdom is part of the Co-Equal Network, copyright 2023, all rights reserved. For more information, please visit choicewisdompodcast.com. Having no regrets forever and ever, always young.